Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Oh, this week's episode, is it time to crown Gamescom as number one? Our recap of summer television and our countdown of the top 200 video games begins. All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great stuff as we bring you the best in news and trends in pop culture twice a week. Well, it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our countdown guru of pop culture cosmos. You got to check out everything that's going on today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and of course on social media at popculturecosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Another great weekend in the books and another great week ahead of us as well. Yeah, I'm excited about GamesCon. This has become a lot bigger than it has in the past few years, so I'm excited to see what kind of stuff we're going to get coming out of this. Absolutely. Myself as well. It's going to be a big week for GamesCon because it is, well, actually at this point in time, looking more and more like it will soon be the number one show for the video game industry as a whole. Is it now at the point where it's going to surpass E3? We're going to talk about that here coming up in a sec. Plus also as well, Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to recap the broadcast networks when it comes to what was good and what was not so good about summer television. And on the back end of the show, we're going to break down the back end of the top 200 video games with our first 10 selections that you fans out there chose, the top 200 of all time. We're going to break down numbers 200 to 191 coming up here on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, before we get into Gamescom, I want to ask you real quick, good boys, are you surprised it actually did as well as it did because it is the first R-rated comedy in over three years to actually make it to number one on the domestic charts with a little over 20 million this weekend? Not a big haul, mind you, and it will probably barely make a profit when all is said and done, but at least it's a sign that some people want to actually still see an R-rated comedy that's not named Deadpool. We're starting to see like a smaller resurgence of these types of films, and I'm stoked to see that this movie is doing well. I, from what I understand, the reviews I've read, it seems to have a little more heart than I gave it credit for because, you know, it is a Seth Rogen film. I mean, it'd be cool to see more stuff like this because... You know, as we talked about before, like everyone's so afraid to create things that push the boundaries. That's why like I admire Kevin Smith so much is because in a time where people are afraid to make things that might offend people, Kevin Smith always pushes the envelope, but they're doing it in a way that still has heart, which sounds like something I might be interested in. The boys and the good boys are both Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen properties. They're both behind both these successful entities that's out there. I mean, again, when all is said and done, it will probably only make a minimal profit, maybe even a little bit more, but it did much better than expected. It did about $20 million here at the domestic box office. So Good Boys is going to go ahead and and be something that, at least for a little while, will be something that those fans of R-rated comedies can look towards to. I still think it's it's probably not going to beat out another R-rated comedy this year, Booksmart. I'll have to check in with you on our best of list to let you know for sure coming up later this year. 
but it is still a good sign that there's room for some R-rated comedies because after the not-so-domestic success of Booksmart at theaters, it's kind of nice to see an R-rated comedy just out of the norm once again be at the top of the pack. But all that aside, my friend, and there's still a lot of movie talk that's out there. And if you want the latest movie box office updates, you just got to check out our Facebook page at Pop Culture Cosmos. And you'll get the latest information on who did well and who did not so well when it came to this weekend at the box office. But my friend, coming up this week, it is one of the premier events in all of video games it has been now for a few years and it's gamescom in europe in germany and a lot of people are going to it's going to probably have close to two hundred thousand people that are attending i want to ask you my friend it is now coming to the point in time where we've got to ask ourselves much to my chagrin after my long years associated with e3 but after the latest scandal at e3 i'm not sure i'm as high on e3 as i once was but i will ask you this my friend with Sony and others pulling out of E3 this year and Gamescom making a big push with not only another Microsoft conference that's going to be there, a Nintendo press conference that's also going to be there focusing on indie content. Google Stadia is going to have a press conference there, but they're also going to do an opening night showcase with your friend and mine, Jeff Keighley. He's going to be having an opening night showcase, the first of its kind at Gamescom, debuting a lot of stuff and also showcasing a lot of video games coming this fall and maybe possibly even debuting a lot of other games as well. I got to ask you, my friend, is Gamescom primed to become the number one showcase in the video game industry? I mean, it's it's starting to look that way, especially if you think about Sony's has a press conference. You know, you were saying Nintendo, Xbox... Stadia, like they've never done that at Gamescom. They've shown up, they've had a presence there and they've showed off a few things, but they've never had an actual conference like this. So it's starting to look that way. And Gamescom is is already like there are more indie developers show up at these conferences than E3 these days. So I would already say that Gamescom is really big, but if you get the support of the, you know, the big three or four out there, this could turn into something that could easily overshadow E3. And it makes me wonder, especially like with the new consoles coming out next year, where are those announcements going to take place? That could very well be the case. And there'll be a lot bigger highlight for next year when the new consoles come out. Because I have a feeling if they come out in the fall, there could be a last minute presentation at Gamescom next year for not only one, but both of the expected new consoles from Sony and Microsoft that could get some major highlights at next year's Gamescom plus a lot of other new game showcases as well alongside with that. So that could be very important. I think next year, I think it's going to be the key, whether or not E3 or Gamescom comes out on top, because which show will these major companies, not only the, not only the console publishers like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, but also a lot of these major publishers and the indie publishers as well. Let's not forget that. A lot of the big reason you were talking about that developers have an easier access to Gamescom is because there's a lot of smaller European indie and also larger publishers that are closer in proximity to Gamescom, and it might be a lot easier for them to be there. Plus, the fact is that while E3 gets 50,000, 60,000 people, even now that they've opened it to the public, you're still talking three times the number of individuals that could try out your product on the show floor of Gamescom. And that is a big number to look at. So we're going to have to gauge this week's reception. We're going to have to gauge this week's initial buy-in on social media. What is the reception going to be like for the opening night showcase with Jeff Keeley? Plus also as well, how elaborate will those three press conferences be and will it be enough to get sony into the ballpark next year for a showcase of their own either at e3 or at gamescom now if they do one or the other that also could tip the scales as well so that's something that we have to think about there but a lot of big name games are going to be showcasing their stuff at gamescom including borderlands 3 cyberpunk 2077 and more I want to hear your thoughts. 
this week is going to probably show off a lot of games that you will be interested in, my friend. So what are you looking forward to seeing more of when it comes to Gamescom this week? I do want to see more of the EA's Star Wars game. Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I want to see more of that. I, I'm honestly like I'm hopeful that we're going to see more from Gears 5. They haven't done a great job of marketing that. But I'm I'm also hopeful for some more Halo footage. Like, show me in-game footage. Show me some gameplay. That was one of my big complaints coming out of E3 is that they didn't really show enough of that. So I would really like to see that. And also, I'd like to see some more things running on the Stadia just so I have a better idea if that's something that I would ever want to invest in. Are you looking forward to anything, though? Well, when you talk about Halo, I'm not sure they're going to showcase anything from Halo just yet since that is going to be a... 2020 release and not a 2019 release they may hold off on that to showcase gears 5 even more because that is coming out next month borderlands 3 i think is on a lot of people's minds so they want to see a lot more from that as it gets closer to that release date plus also like you said star wars jedi fallen order hopefully ea will showcase a lot of that because that is probably the last major venue for ea to showcase star wars jedi fallen order i know that's something that's very important to them Call of Duty, the latest reiteration of Modern Warfare. I think a lot of people want to see more of what's going on with that game and especially the multiplayer end of it. But for me, I think I want to see more of Cyberpunk 2077 because they have advertised itself as being at Gamescom. So I want to see more of that game and how it fits into a bigger video game narrative structure when it comes out next year. Plus Death Stranding. I know Death Stranding, Hideo Kojima, will be there at Gamescom showcasing the latest strange but attractive footage that is going to be coming for Death Stranding when it comes out. So I'm interested to see that as well. Yeah, Death Stranding is, that's actually the one that's coming out November 10th. But yeah, I mean, Death Stranding looks cool because it'd be cool to see more uh, more story play of that. Cyberpunk's definitely going to be there. They've made that announcement. The scope of the announcements, I think, is going to decide like how much these companies are going to invest in Gamescom next year. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like this will be a key moment for Gamescom to showcase itself as the premier video gaming event of the industry. And we'll have to wait and see if that pans out, because if it does become a showcase and a bigger than life event that could surpass E3, the days of being E3 the king of the hill might soon be over and that would be a shame for us here as you you and i both have attended e3 but you know what if that's the case that's got to be the case i mean back in the day it was the tokyo game show for many years being the showcase for the video game industry and that hit on hard times for many years until in recent times it's had a resurgence so this could be the point in time where e3 after many years on top it might be on the verge of succeeding to Gamescom as the number one entity in the world of video games. What are your thoughts out there on Gamescom this week? Is there any games that you're looking forward to with Death Stranding, Gears 5, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Borderlands 3, all around the corner? Is there any games that you're eagerly anticipating taking a look at when it comes to any footage that's shown at Gamescom 2019? Is there anything else that you want to really take a look at, either the press conferences from Microsoft, Nintendo, or a better look from Google Stadia? Because hopefully this week at Gamescom, Google will really give us a good idea of exactly the platform it is and exactly how it's going to work and all the games that are going to be attached to it. Let us know your thoughts on Gamescom this week and what you're excited for. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to weigh in with her thoughts on what went good and what went bad with summer television coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming Wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code Vitabrace50, you'll get half off 
on a Vitabrace gaming wristband or use the code buy one get one and it's buy one get one free. That's right, just use the code Vitabrace50 or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at miraclefruitoil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. Once again, I have my good friend Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that she's doing, along with all the other writers that are at the TVRatingsGuide.com. All right, my friend, we've talked about a great fall preview, which they got to check out on the PCC Multiverse. So, on this particular part of our conversation, we're going to be talking about kind of like a report card of what went on during the summer. And I'll start off with this. I, I actually before we went on the air, talked to you about this. It's interesting because at the time we we were broadcasting this, the time we recorded this, Lucy Liu is coming back to CBS All Access with her show, Why Women Kill, which I heard a lot of advanced word. There's good good pub about it, and I wish her tremendous success with that. But in, in the wayside, on the same day that debuts, another show that she was doing, Elementary, which for many years was something that a lot of people like myself liked, it's just getting brushed in the rug in its final episode of the series. Your thoughts on both those series, you know, the one on CBS All Access, which is coming out, and the one she was a part of with Elementary that's going bye-bye. Hmm. I would think it's like it's a different because there's a little bit of a difference because one is streaming and can't easily do less episodes, and one is a broadcast show. It used to get like over 20 episodes per season for elementary. She's still making big bucks from it. Now with why women kill with a lower subscriber base than Netflix or Hulu or Amazon prime, that's going to probably last a little bit, but not as long as elementary has. And she's gone on the record. She likes the 10 episode format it allows her to spend more time with her family, and that's good. But also, this could be a precursor to even more interesting formats in the way the CBS and Viacom, now that they're one big happy family again after their merger, or oh, I'm sorry, reunification is the word that they're using, that they have come back together and are now looking to go ahead and start franchising some things out and start promoting things. That could be something that they look towards to the CBS All Access, which has been a great surprise overall as far as streaming. No, it's not quite Netflix. No, it's not quite Amazon Prime, but they do have very good numbers, very promising numbers. I know there's talk about the Star Trek universe being something that they want to go ahead now that Viacom and CBS have now been joined back together. That's something they want to promote even stronger. I know that they're trying to start comparing it, or, or at least pr the press is anyways, trying to compare it to the Marvel Universe, the DVC Universe. I'm like, whoa, hold your horses. You're not there yet. Let's wait and see what goes on. But that could be a cornerstone as far as what's going on is, you know, with all the stuff that they're doing and all the success stories that they have on CBS All Access. So you could be seeing a, a bigger emphasis on that in the near future because of the reunification but there's a lot of stuff that we want to recap when it comes to summer programming with the broadcast networks that are out there. All right. I want to hear your thoughts on what was hot with ABC this summer. What really worked when it comes to ABC? I think overall, and it should be no surprise, it's the bachelor universe and social media and the controversy and everything else and their marketing. It's pretty much what kept the lights on for the most part at ABC starting with the bachelorette. And now we're going into bachelor in paradise, which is pretty much the little sister of the bachelorette and the bachelorette actually pretty much rose in the ratings. Whereas bachelor in paradise is steady. So that was what was hot on ABC. They seem to put a bigger emphasis than other networks. I'm not going to say all the networks, but they put a bigger emphasis on their programming during the course of summer. I like that. Holy moly. I know that's something that uh, this also has been talked about, whether good or bad, whatnot. We'll talk about here in a little bit. But when it comes to what was hot with our friends at CBS, 
I want to hear your thoughts. Once again, it is reality programming coming to a head at what's hot at another network. Big Brother, despite declining ratings, it still ended up being like one of the top rated shows for CBS, if not the top rated show for CBS. And it's also garnering a lot of controversy on social media, as it always does every single year, especially with the live feeds and everything else that goes on on Twitter. And that's something that a lot of people will be looking forward to again next summer when Big Brother, it's like clockwork when it comes out each and every year to CBS. Now, we've talked about what's gone on with ABC. We talked about CBS, what was good with them. I want to talk about NBC right now before we go into Fox. So we've been going in that order as far as last week on our fall TV previews. So I know with NBC, you know, you want to talk about a lot of good things that were there, but I don't think you can talk about what's hot without talking about American Ninja Warrior. Even though it's like American Ninja Warrior, like it's still pretty solid though, but everything is like this past summer season has been in fractional territory outside of America's Got Talent. And all the ratings so far have gone down. So I couldn't pick a clear favorite on what was hot besides AGT. So even though American Ninja Warrior has been winning the ratings as far as on many days in the past few weeks, it is still down overall from last year. Is that correct? It's not even hitting 1.0s regularly as it did last season and that's because like the whole network is down and even agt is down so there's no clear favorite that's very interesting okay well again not all these broadcast networks put the same amount of emphasis on their summer programming it looks like nbc even though it's had some solid hits like you said with america's got talent and also american ninja warrior it seems like they are not actually putting enough into it. So maybe they'll have to refocus and go ahead and, and look towards next year or next summer as far as putting out some better programming or revamping at some of its more popular television shows. Now, with our good friends at ABC, CBS, and NBC done, you got to talk about what's going on with Fox. How did they do this summer as far as what was hot for them? What really worked? Prior to the ratings coming out, I said that the clear favorite hit, they focused all their promotion on Beverly Hills 90210, the pseudo-reboot. Okay, I'm sorry, doing the theme song there, but go ahead, go ahead. And then it premiered to like a 1.5, and then just as the ratings came out, it's at 0.9, but it did rise in the half hour from a point nine to like a 1.0, like 8.30. So you got to see if the ratings are back again. That's a nostalgia thing. And when it concerns a nostalgia thing, a lot of people have an initial interest in, and then it just drops from there. So you and I have seen this before with many shows where it peaks high at the start and just has a tendency to be going down, going down as people lose interest in the, the nostalgia thing ends. So you're right. This is something that you're going to have to keep an eye on at the TVRatingsGuide.com. If it will go ahead long-term, it be something that the network can rely upon. But there is some type of nostalgia, I think, that's going to stay there in this specific case. How long it's going to stay there, I can't tell for sure. But I think you're right. You've already seen already with the people that, okay, I wanted to check out one episode and I'm done. You saw a lot of that. But can it hold a 0.8, 0.9, or even a 1.0 in the near future? I'm sure you and the folks at the TVRatingsGuide.com will keep everyone updated on, on that. So we talked about ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, and what was hot and what worked for them over the course of the summer. I do want to hear your thoughts with our good friends at the CW. Never want to go ahead and shut them out entirely because there are some things that they put on over the summer that does work for them. It was a clear hit. You got the usual suspects, Kuzline and Penn and Teller. Like, they're the only shows that did not hit a point one on a regular basis. But still, I feel like CW needs to completely redo their programming all in the summer because they pretty much punted on cheap imports and the marketing promotion. 
You'll forgive me if I'm laughing when you say they need to redo their summer programming. I think they need to redo their entire slate all year long. But that's just me. I mean, when you become used to, hey, we did a 0.3. We've got a big hit on our hands. That's not the way it's supposed to work. That's not long-lasting for any type of network that's on a broadcast format. So I don't know. Okay, I think they need to reevaluate themselves as an entire entity. But let's start off with the summer. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, when Penn and Teller are your one of your leading shows in the summer, as much as I love the act that Penn and Teller do here in Vegas, I, I can understand why that reevaluation needs to take place. So we talked about what was hot for all the networks. Let's talk about what was tepid. So I want to hear your thoughts on what was tepid when it comes to ABC. And don't tell me it was holy moly. Well, holy moly. It started out really good, like early on, like in the summer, and then it ended up in 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 territory in the later runs. Told but you they should have kept Wipeout. Same. Really same. But it's part of like the whole, I mean, when one show is down, like the whole Thursday night lineup is down too. And we've already seen clear weak links with the Thursday night lineup. I mean, the game shows... Outside of The Bachelor, they did meh. Family Feud, the celebrity version of Family Feud, is not setting the ratings world on fire, but still solid. The $100,000 pyramid. And then you also have like the meh shows like Match Game and Card Charts and Press Your Luck. Pretty much every rehashed game show from the 70s. You're right, you're right. But there is some stuff that you could say is tepid when it comes to CPS and their summer programming. I know we talked about elementary. I think it closed out. Okay. Not too bad. 0.6, 0.7s, even I think a 0.8 during the course of the season, not too bad for something that really wasn't at all promoted very well for a final season by CBS. I think they really gave it a diss. And again, like I said, for something that made them a buku amount of bucks in syndication, but I know there's some other things that you want to talk about when it comes to what was tepid at CBS. I think the only thing that was tepid because there were really, because CBS overall was pretty cold on the network side. The only thing I can pick up on that was really tepid, but still kind of solid was elementary and its final season and how it's chugging along. Everything else is basically repeats that you're not going to see anymore when fall rolls around. So pretty much CBS punted. And that's a shame that they want to go ahead and rely upon a lot of reruns because that's giving up on an audience that might not come back for the fall season. I'm going to tell you right now, I think networks do need to put an emphasis on their summer because there is a chance that people will not actually come back year after year in the fall to go ahead and check out some shows because the summer, if you have a decent summer, that could set up your fall quite nicely. But we've talked about what was tepid so far with ABC and CBS. So we've got NBC next on the list. What was tepid as far as NBC? Besides like the solid reality tent poles in there, that's declining. I think one clear link with NBC that's clearly tepid but should have been doing better is Sonland, and it's how it was scheduled that put me on the tepid side and you see it in the results like it came back to a 0.7 which is okay but not setting the world on fire and that's a shame that's happening but i guess i know there were some people out there that had voiced their opinions on social media that they really kind of liked the show and Songland every now and then still gets a kind of passing buzz if so, there's a certain individual or for a certain song that, that's sung on the program. So that's a shame that Songland is not actually hitting with audiences the way it should. But what is going on at Fox that you think was tepid during the course of the summer as well? I think outside of MasterChef, like the veteran reality shows have been struggling for the most part. And So You Think You Dance has been hitting right now at 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, though, and it's clearly not the show in its heyday, but Fox is going to probably keep it around for, like, another season. 
because they have nothing else going on. But there was a really weak link that really messed with the fall thing. I mean, the game shows also are doing okay. It's like, spin the wheel. But beat Shazam, they're not really setting the world on fire as far as ratings goes. But Fox is going to probably keep them around for another season because nothing else is going on. <laughs> I can see that right now in a board meeting when it comes to Fox recapping its summer programming and saying, what do we need to do to go ahead and have another great summer season here at Fox? And you're just like, yeah, let's just keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Speaking of keeping it going and a boardroom when it comes to the CW, they're looking up at everyone. And when it comes to summer programming, their ratings are even worse than they are in the fall. So what makes to be tepid? What makes to be on the borderline when it comes to what shows came out this summer on the CW? I think the strongest point one, Masters of Illusion on Fridays. And it finally hit its point one streak after many years of point twos. And... We're just going to have to go with the unrounded ratings because you got The Outpost. You have two sentence horror stories, which we don't know it's unrounded ratings fully. And that's pretty tepid. You know, is 0.1 is tepid to you? That's really saying something about the network itself. But yeah, mm. again, we've already stressed on that enough. Once again, it's my good friend, Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that they're doing there. We talked about what was hot in the summer recap of television. We talked about what was tepid. Okay, we really can't put on a parka during the summer, but what actually provided a good chill that maybe you could put into a nice little drink to make it nice and cold? What was cold when it comes to ABC? What was really cold was their Thursday night shows. Grand Hotel, Reef Break, that was a clear cold one. Like, cold one that you could see, and Family Food Fight. These were clearly cold, with Grand Hotel not getting the ratings that its lead-in needs. Because it's clearly an independent audience from the Bachelor universe. Now that's pretty frigid, that's for sure. And I know there's a lot of other things that you want to talk about when it comes to what else was cold on broadcast networks. So I want to hear your thoughts. While the reality competition series and the reality shows worked in so many ways for a lot of different networks, again, you're telling me like an ABC, some of it didn't work. What didn't work and what was frigid at CBS? <sighs> Love Island, Instinct, and The Good Fight. The repeats of The Good Fight which is a CBS All Access show. Everything's point, point two or point three on the drama part that's original outside of elementary. And then you got Love Island, ranging from point three to point five, and they renewed that show because of its streaming numbers. That show belongs on MTV. <laughs> that well, yeah, now show, that they're one big happy family, they can go ahead and do that very easily. They should. Honestly, they should put that on MTV. It fits right well with it. Well, speaking of other frigid networks during the course of the summer, in our summer recap, NBC, I'm sure, had its share of shows that didn't quite cut up to the mustard when it comes to what was frigid 
and what actually didn't perform very well for NBC this summer? Huh, the summer, it didn't really do well. Hollywood Game Night and the in-between. Clearly, Hollywood Game Night is a shadow of itself, and yet it's cheap to produce. So NBC is going to be like, we have nothing else going on. We're just going to renew it and call it a day. But the in-between, I'm pretty sure that's already getting canned because a point four is somewhat unacceptable. Unless you're at the CW. <laughs> Unless you are at the CW, correct. So what was actually frigid, not going to CW just yet, because, again, they're, they're looking up at everybody else, but we cannot forget Fox when it comes to their summer programming. They had some stuff that hit, but they also had some stuff that missed as well. Yeah, Fox didn't just have two mixes. They have two big misses. One was Paradise Hotel. The other one is called that airs on Sunday nights called What Just Happened with Fred Savage. And Paradise Hotel was airing like five nights a week and then they, or three to five nights a week, and then they cut it to one. That's because it hit 0.4.5 ratings at the yin yang. And it was disappointing for Fox standards until you reach What Just Happened with Fred Savage. That show is mostly at even on the CW, if you're a WB show, that is clearly unacceptable. That's like liquid nitrogen type frigid or dry ice type frigid. Poor Fred Savage. He just doesn't get a break. I know. He doesn't really. This is embarrassing. Yes, yes. For him, it is. And I'm sorry to see that happen to him because he seems like a pretty nice guy. But hey, you know what? What happens to the best of us? Last but not least, we do have to, speaking of the CW, which you just mentioned, since they aren't going to take Fred Savage onto their network at any point in time real soon, what was really cold when it comes to the summer programming at CW? There was one that clearly went below 0.1 in the unrounded ratings. I had it right here. That was Burden of Truth, and that aired on Sunday nights. Down 41%, almost 42% in the key demo and airing on Sunday nights. But there were also a few misses in there in the lower point ones territory. You got like Pandora, two sentence horror stories, a lot of them that are in the low point ones territory. They're the ones that are 9 p.m. slots. It's like you got like hits like earlier in the week, like Penn and Teller, Who's Line, The Hundred, which was recently renewed for the final season. That's gonna be airing this summer. All at point twos, following like the final season of iZombie, and then Masters of Illusion, and then you have like everybody at point one four or below. Like you just gotta reevaluate their summer programming. <laughs> that they do indeed. Once again, I'm on with my good friend. It's Jessica Box from thetvratingsguide.com. You gotta check out their amazing stuff today at thetvratingsguide.com. Before we head on out, I got to make sure you go ahead and give a shout out to what's going on at the tvratingsguide.com. And if there's anything you want to talk about that people need to look forward to this fall when it comes to if there's anything on cable or streaming that you think people need to check out as well. And again, mention why people need to check out the tvratingsguide.com. Well, we do reviews on some of your favorite shows, but we also have renew cancel indexes. We have original shows that we write as like three to five page scripts. It's basically like a serialized show that you follow every week. We also have some of our editorial series where we give our takes on shows, what's going on on TV. That's in addition to our daily ratings reports. But you still got the one Chicago thing. You got to go ahead and let everybody know how that's translating to that audience. I'm, I'm intrigued to find out exactly how big the one Chicago three-hour block on NBC is going to do long-term with NBC. But before we head on out, I want to ask you, is there anything people need to look towards to on cable this fall or streaming that you think people need to check out? I think we have like... Besides reality, we have like some of your new shows that are coming out as far as on the dramas. We have 
some new fall cable shows. You got The Crown coming back, but it's going to have a brand new cast. You have American Horror Story coming back. And the controversial Netflix series, Teen TV's most controversial series, returns to Shepherds back into the fall season, 13 Reasons Why. And we also have Elite on Netflix, which is going to premiere its whole second season on Friday, September 6th. Like the leading murder teen show that's in there. The Deuce on HBO is going to premiere on Mondays in September. And American Horror Story 1984 Season 9 is coming on the 18th. These are some of your cable and streaming shows that are coming this September. All right, so there's a lot of great things to look forward to, not only on the broadcast outlets, but also as well on cable and streaming. Just a ton of content that's out there. I think it's almost too much, but then again, we could go back to the days of the black and white television when there was only channel 2, channel 4, channel 7, channel 13, and channel, channel, 5. <laughs> channel 5, and channel 58, or something like that. If you want to actually go ahead and try and see through whatever distortion and type of interference there was to try and check out what was on that channel. We Once also again. have The Walking Dead coming in October on Sunday nights, and we're going to have like a lot of Twitter buzz, even on a declining rating show on The Walking Dead, season 10 is going to be premiering October 6th at 9, the latest season of AMC's unkillable zombie drama. Well, you know what? There could be a death in the future because there is another show that they are developing that's coming out next year in The Walking Dead universe. The original show, The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead, I know Fear the Walking Dead may still have some life after a lot of people thought it was going to be dying. In fact, a lot of people like myself thought it was going to be on the way out. But you never know. AMC might renew it. But with the Walking Dead comic now being finito and done, the future for the Walking Dead series itself, the main one, that could be up in the air as far as how long that is going to be laid out. I'll have to talk to my great expert Daphne Matthew from the Walking Dead fan base. She always gives me the insight on, on the future of all of those shows. So I'm going to have to get her back on the program here soon to give us the update on that. And plus, you will see it on the ratings end. If the ratings decline, it's going to continue. That has been occurring over the past three, four years. And it's been a steep decline. That also could play a factor as well on the future of the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead universe. My friend, it's been great having you on the program. It's so great to have you on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And again, just thanking you so much for taking the time to talk to us today right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And now we've got as a bonus thrown in one of the awesome songs just released by our friend Emoji Engine. This is Next Drop, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
That was Next Drop by Emoji Engine. You can find all of his great songs today by heading on over to bandcamp.com and looking for all the songs from Emoji Engine. That's E-M-O-J-I-E-N-J-I-N. Coming up right after the break, we close out our show as we begin our breakdown of the top 200 video games of all time, as voted on by you, the listeners. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, and we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week, Check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. I want to give a shout out to our good friends in Australia at Variety Radio Ipswich. I cannot thank them enough for playing the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, we're also on so many different podcast outlets. I'll tell you what, when our podcast goes up and it gets played all over and so many people get a chance to listen to it, it is just so humbling and we truly appreciate it, including our great friends and great supporters for many years now at the Tangent Bound Network. I cannot thank enough Mark and the great folks at the Tangent Bound Network for playing our show each and every week. Just is so incredible, and I cannot thank them enough for doing so. My friend, real quick, your thoughts on the sales so far for Congratulations You Suck. It's sold out on Amazon, but it's still available at many other outlets. Amazon's supposed to be getting more in stock here soon, too. Uh, you can buy it now, and they will ship it to you within a week. They're just waiting on them to come in. I'm super grateful that it's doing so well. I got some pretty cool reviews so far, and I still got to do a lot of work in terms of marketing, but if you guys pick up the book and you like it, please tell your friends about it, and I would be incredibly appreciative of it. And any feedback you have for me, you can just you know shoot me a DM through Pop Culture Cosmos or Team Anakin Media, wherever you want to do it. That's again, congratulations, you suck. Like you said, if you order it on Amazon.com, it'll be available in about a week to 10 days. Plus, also as well, you can get it on Kindle for a great price of $2.99, the Nook at $2.99, and Barnes & Noble, either barnesandnoble.com or go to your local Barnes & Noble and ask for it, and they'll send a hard copy to you at Barnes & Noble. Well, my friend, I want to thank, first off, Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com for being on the show today. She's also going to be on our Friday show talking about why is HBO Succession becoming such a big hit. Plus, all the news and updates from what happened this week at Gamescom 2019, we'll recap it for you on Friday's show, The PCC Multiverse. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I want to give everybody a heads up. If they have not checked it out already on popculturecosmos.com or popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, it's our top 200 video games of all time. We're still kind of revamping how it's going to look and how you're going to be able to access. We'll be hopefully taking care of that this week. But I want to break down, first off, my friend, the back end of the list, and that's going to start off with numbers 200 to 191. So your thoughts on number 200, it was a tie, Time Crisis and Vigilante 8. Okay, so I had only ever played Vigilante 8 once, and I remember it being fun. I remember having like a Twisted Metal vibe to it. What I do have a lot of experience with is Time Crisis. They had these things called power stations down here. You can go on their big arcades and you just put money on your cards and swipe them. You can play Time Crisis, Jurassic Park, stuff like that. But Time Crisis always had a good time playing. There's something about being able to play a rail shooter with your friends and it wasn't incredibly difficult and you could spend a, a fair amount of quarters or, or power cards on it, whatever it was. But it was always for Time Crisis, it was always about getting that high score with me. So uh, Time Crisis is a very special place in my heart. What are your experiences with it? My experience with it was more with Time Crisis, like you said, than Vigilante 8. I did play Vigilante 8, and yes, as well, I got that twisted metal type vibe. It's a, a really kind of fun post-apocalyptic type crash, 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 demolition derby type game with weapons and the whole nine yards. But with Time Crisis, Time Crisis, as you should hear as I walked by the arcade back in the day, 
you know, it is the rail shooter deluxe. It was one of the best rail shooter experiences that I've ever had. It's just so much fun, time crisis. And I'd like to see it revived in some form or fashion. I'm not sure how you're going to be able to do that since it was a rail shooter. Those are really hard to replicate. But I would like to see Time Crisis revived in some form, in some fashion, at some point in time. Number 199, as a fan of RPGs and the like, Tales of Graces F, it's not that well-known or well-remembered, but I think it is well-deserving on this list at 199. So Tales of Grace takes place in the Tales universe. And, you know, there's there's a whole lot of other Tales games, uh, Tales of Vesperia. I've never gotten into these. As If you've ever listened to the Super BS Games cast, we never really had great things to say about the Tales series. They do have a fan base, as we can see here, and people are playing them. It's something I might be interested in playing further on down the line. It's just not something I'm really in a hurry to be trying right now. And I know this one's on PS3. Did you ever play this one? No, I never got the chance to. I know it was something when I was running the video game store, Tales did come up from time to time as one of the more recognized series. That specific game in the series was not talked about as much, but it's no less a part of the Tales series that should be considered one of the better RPG series in video games. Coming up at 198, my friend, I'll tell you what. Crazy, crazy, crazy hard is Super Meat Boy. And this was one of the first games to come out earlier this decade that really brought back difficult games back into the forefront. This was one of those games made on Java, if I remember correctly. I do remember Super Meat Boy. I, I never played it, but it seems to be a video game that would be based on something from Adult Swim. The story, like the, you know, reading the synopsis right now is intriguing enough for me to maybe want to try it. It is on Nintendo Switch, so I might be checking that out here soon. But from what I understand, it is incredibly difficult. And, you know, if you've read my review for N++, like I have a very short fuse when it comes to games like that. So raise up your blood pressure with Super Meat Boy, but it is on our list at number 198. Number 197 through 195, we've got Super Ghouls and Ghosts. We've also got Sonic and Knuckles, and we've got Sinistar. For me, Sinistar is the one that stands out because, oh my goodness, when you're playing and Sinistar just, you know, goes off, I just thought that was so cool the way it really got progressively harder as you continued with the game. Sonic and Knuckles, it's not obviously Sonic the Hedgehog, but still it stands out on its own. And Super Ghouls and Ghosts as the as the third entry in the Ghouls and Goblins series. It's something a lot of people still have fond memories for. Number 194, Riz River City Ransom. That takes you on the way back as far as the beat-em-ups is concerned. But it's number 193 I want to talk about with Psychonauts, a game that has been so beloved, well, it was so under the radar at the time of its release, that was one of these cult hits that not a lot of people bought, but everybody seemed to have played and everybody seemed to have loved. Landing at 193 seems a little bit low on the list for me. I thought it would be much higher because it was just so well thought of. And when Psychonauts 2 comes out, there'll probably be a rebirth of interest in Psychonauts again. Well, it's impressive that it made the list, though, because if you go down the full scope of what we have here, there's a lot of stuff that's new, but there's a lot of, like, really old retro stuff. So, I mean, I, and it also, if you look at our audiences, too, like, we have hardcore gamer fans who really like the old arcade games and stuff. So the fact that Psychonauts made the list is impressive in itself. This is one of those ones I was always on the fence about playing, never got a chance to play it, but if there was a remaster or if it's available on another platform it's something i might be interested in checking out the trailer for psychonauts 2 looks cool and i know that people are excited about it but you know who knows man you know it's that disconnect between the first game and the sequel and who knows what that might lead to at number 192 is another great game is portal 2 which was a great follow-up to the surprise hit out of the orange box conglomerate of three great games Portal 2 was a great sequel in and of itself and is very well thought of as a puzzle game. Did you get a chance to play Portal 2? I did. Portal 2 is one of those games that I could play for a very, very long time. And I like how it is linked to the Half-Life series, but it's not really something that you have to play Half-Life to play it. Do you know if they're ever going to be working on another one or is, is Valve just all about Steam these days? 
Valve is all about Steam. I mean, get in line. People want a Half-Life Episode 3. They also want, like me, I want a Left 4 Dead 3. So yeah, get in line with that game. Another Team Fortress. The list is on and on and on of, of games people want to see Valve to make. But at this point in time, it's all about Steam. So and I don't see any of these games coming out anytime soon. So don't hold your breath. But at 191, to finish off our list for today is... The legend itself, Pac-Man, my goodness, it's still very well thought of by our folks out there. I thought it would place lower because of its historical value and the fact that it created such a movement back in the early 80s. Pac-Man Fever and the like, a number one hit song, a cartoon series, spawned off many sequels, and is still well thought of today. In fact, you can go into many arcades or pizza parlors or anything of that nature today, and you can still see variations of the pac-man theme still going on so pac-man a hall of fame video game is at 191 if you go into dave and busters you can actually play pac-man on a giant screen and they have different versions of it where you can play on the big screen or you can play it at a table against your friends like you used to be able to back in the arcade days but i really love the fact that pac-man has stayed alive and they've tried various ways of reinventing it right remember the pac-man rpg that came out and they did like a pac-man side scroller tried to make it more like sonic it's one of those things like you don't mess with perfection like pac-man is a classic game at heart and there are still people who spend hours at the arcade playing it that's right there are a lot of people playing it and i'll tell you what it's just a great thing to see that pac-man even after all these years is still well known and well beloved within today's society and will always be a, a, a revered member of pop culture. Well, if you want to check out our list, even before we continue to break down our top 200 video games of all time, you can always check out our list today at popculturecosmos.com and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Hopefully in the future, we'll get a chance as well to get everybody out there to start voting on a top album, a top movie, and a top television show of all time as well. So, Josh, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yes. Like I said before, I do want to talk about the boys, do a little post-mortem on that show. I got some thoughts. You got some thoughts on that? I do as well. You know, I'll tell you what, Friday's show, the PC Multiverse, we'll talk about the boys and recap Gamescom as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Cheryl Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day do you enjoy tv shows movies video games comics or novels do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree if you do then the 42 cast is right for you we're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, or 42cast.com. You can also support us and the entire ESO Network by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. That's the 42cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.